Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Life is good, huh? Yeah. Why not? Thank you. Yeah. Oh, golly. Oh, I know what. I just had to see I had to slow down. It was just like I got captured in the energetic of that and it was like I'm not thinking nothing anymore. So <laughs> But that's a good thing. I'm telling you, it's a good thing. You know, we always think we've got to have the next idea. I'll talk about that a little bit. So what we're going to do, and I appreciate your patience as I've evolved into this awareness, is I'm going to invite us to go into 30 seconds of silence, but we really want to honor it. And we also want to appreciate our musicians. I know there's a sort of a conflict of they get done performing, and it's wonderful, and we want to show our appreciation. And then we sort of want to go into the silence, so what do we do? So what I'm going to do from this point forward is, and I did last week, sound a chime. And so I have this gong that has been in my office for a number of years. It was a present gifted to me in 2006 by my ministerial class students. And I'm going to sound the gong, and we'll go into 30 seconds of silence, and then we'll sing our chant in this very room, and I'll do an uh, affirmative prayer. So now we know that part of it, which is great. It's good to know. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so as I move into prayer with you, I invite you to allow my words to be your words, and if they don't fit, let them wash over you. These are simply ideas, but I'm so grateful to be able to speak in the first person with the understanding that the I am represents all of us. There is only one life, and that life is God, and we are the individualized expressions of that one life. We are waves of God in the ocean of God. And so knowing that and affirming that and turning towards source, this infinite divine vibration of the Most High, not a personality, but a vibration a frequency of aliveness that many of us would call love. And so I honor that one love, that one heart, that one mind, affirming and knowing that that life is perfect, that life is present, and that life is mine in this moment. I have not shifted and changed that vibration at all, but what I have done is shifted and changed my availability for it. So as I speak these words and I relax into them and understand them, stand in the faith that this is the truth of my being, I know that something is having its way by means of me. That as I surrender 
the distractions of my mind and open myself up beautifully to this present moment. I am gifted and graced. I know that every cell in my body is rejuvenated, that my thoughts are clear, that my sense of well-being is filled with peace and grace and beauty, and that I look out in the world and find ways to love whatever is before me despite what it looks like. This is true mastery upon this planet, that I no longer am at mercy of my emotional life, but in fact I use my emotions to impact and enhance my prayer work, my meditation, my way of being upon this planet. I move on this world and in this collaboration of life knowing that something beautiful is finding its way to me even in this moment. And I have planted that seed and I stand with you in eager expectancy to see the fruits of that and to harvest that in my own life. For this I give thanks. I'm so grateful for spiritual community. I'm so grateful for the great avatars, the wisdom that has been passed down through the generations from so many beautiful traditions. We honor it all. We celebrate all of it. And I invite you to say with me. And so it is. All right. I'm going to grab the mic up here. I'm going to bring up Roz to come up and just share a bit of her, her story of the center. Roz, are you coming back up? Yep. Awesome. Thank you for doing this again, staying with us. So Roz has been with the community how long? About two and a half years. Two and a half years. And I just wanted to let her share with you a little bit of her, what's been her experience. And so there you go. Thanks. So what, how did you find the center and then a little bit of your journey within the center? Uh, I found the center through a friend, Rhea. Her and I worked together at uh, the university hospital and sometimes on a break we would have a chance to talk about the center and what went on and humanity and spirituality and she would say to me, Roz, I think you'd really like it at that center. And so she told me that for quite a little while, and then I finally thought, well, I'm just going to go and check that out. So I came a couple of times and just loved it. I was hooked right from the beginning. But at the very same time, I had a niece who came to stay with us who had been sick in Toronto, and uh, she just needed a new start. So she came to stay with us, and after a couple of weeks, I thought, well, she's going to get sick of me pretty quick. So I took her to our local church, and uh, they have a pretty active youth group there. And they took her in, and she loved it, and she wanted to start going to church on a Sunday. So, because she didn't really know anyone else, I would go with her on a Sunday, and oh, it was so painful. It was, <laughs> they, they, it was so fear-based, and um, I was quite sure that humanity was not going to survive. Every Sunday when I walked out of there, just there was no way. And I knew for sure I was not going to heaven. There, I was not going to get there. And so uh, once she got settled and she could fly on her own, I came back here and just totally hooked ever since then. Just love it, mm, nice. love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your experience in foundations and then... And... Yeah, I started off, uh, I signed up for a small group meditation, and I, I, I kind of laugh about it now because I walked in there. I had never meditated in my life. I, I could daydream pretty well, and I'd been uh, hypnotized a couple of times, but never I had meditated. So I um, met a great group of people, which kind of starts your foundation and your, your community. And then I took the foundations class. And partly I signed up for that because my husband, who doesn't come, especially during golf season, um, he would say to me, well, what do those people believe? And what are you learning there? And what about tithing? And 
And I would say to him, well, I don't really know yet, Mike. I don't know yet, but they're good people, like Oprah and the Dalai Lama. There are posters of them in the sanctuary, so I know these are good people. So I thought I'd better take foundations, and that, that helped a lot. Um, and, and again, and then the circle just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then I did CSL 101, partly because I didn't know where all the bathrooms were. So I thought that was a, you did a little tour of the whole building. So that was good. And I met some great people there, Noreen and Jim for sure. And then your circle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I did uh, Living Your Life's Purpose mm -hmm. this fall, which was awesome, with Dr. Patrick. And he's, I thought he'd be scary, but he wasn't at all, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I should already know my purpose, but I didn't. And now I do, kind of. Yeah. And here I am every Sunday. Thank you, Roz. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Roz, for sharing. You know, it's, it's, and I think it's so nice to do, have testimonials uh, as often as possible because lives are being changed. And so much of what happens here is, is the interior work that we do. And, you know, you and I, the richness of, of this opportunity, and it's those shifting, those subtle shifting and changes that go on within us. I want to also acknowledge that we have our tapestry of tiles that has been beautifully put together through a collaboration led by um, Noreen Crone Finley. And it's hanging on the wall over there in the back. So on your way out, as you come in next week or whatever, but your tile, if you filled out a purpose word, is hanging in that tapestry and they've been woven into this beautiful tapestry and if you look behind the tiles it represents the colors of the chakras so it starts at the base color and it moves its way up to the heavenly so it's a beautiful and then of course there's the, the vines at the bottom that go down into ground us to this beautiful earth so all of it is such a beautiful uh, form of spiritual art artistry and and crafting uh, that uh, it's quite lovely and there's a there's an aliveness to it I sat in here and was looking at it yesterday and it was just um, and, and the tiles that are on edge, someone wrote on both sides of their tiles, so Noreen and her brilliance put them on the tapestry standing up. So you'll see a couple coming out like that. So it's just beautiful. It's over there to my right, your left, in the uh, second bay hanging there. So just lovely to have that, and we want to acknowledge the love that went. It's alive, and I've got all kinds of ideas around uh, what this place is going to look like in another year or so. Uh, it's the ever... Uh, impressive spirit that, that is guiding and directing all of us. So I wanted to just invite you to, to join us in a bit of spiritual practice we've been doing over the last several weeks and I'm going to invite you to stand up and look find somebody to do this with if you would be willing and just say to them look what God has created. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being upon this beautiful planet. You have gifts to share. You have love to share. You have power to reveal. You have potential to fulfill. Let's change the world. Now. Give them a hug if you feel so inclined. There you go. Beautiful. so that's practicing the power of agreement that's what that was and you know we can do it I saw some threesomes going and all that stuff it all works twosomes, threesomes, foursomes but thank you for being willing to shift the energy within this place because all of a sudden we come into a recognition we activate our spiritual practice 
most, most powerfully through the spoken word. And to take sacred text and read it out loud to ourselves is really, really, can really shift us energetically. And it can be whatever we're, the call, it can be a poem that lifts us out of that state of being. But it is an energetic, because spirit really is an energetic. When it's up in our head and we, th we think we can figure it out and we're clever, um, it doesn't get us there. We just spin in that, that capacity. And that capacity is wonderful, but it's, it's not it. It's part of it. It's part of the journey. And we need it. But if we think that's it, because we understand it, we're, we're just simply cutting ourselves off. So the, the last um, month, this month, April 2016, has been in harmony with oneself. And we've been working with the principles of, number one, discovering one's passion, then playing in the passion, and today we're talking about living from that discovery. And so we've been using Tom McKee's book, uh, Inspired and Unstoppable, and, and her journey with this whole thing. We've also been talking about this living in this discovery. Ernest, Ernest Holmes, our founder, I want to set this up a little bit. Is in our textbook, our Science of Mind textbook, it's about 600 and some pages. There's a glossary in the back, a lot of definitions. Uh, and it's a beautiful work. But 200 of the pages in that book are based on the life of Christ. And when I was at a Laura and I, my wife Laura and I were at a retreat this past week, and I was talking to one of my fellow ministers, and, and uh, he said, you know, I've been a minister for 40 years, but for the first 20, I didn't even want to look in the, the, the last 200 pages of that book, because so many of us have had experiences with this idea of Jesus Christ. And as a kid, I was raised as a, in, the, in a Catholic church, and for me, what, it, what that was used at, for the most part, was a weapon. And so I became a bit, and, and part of what we, we have become as a movement is so many of us have, have, have fled Christianity to find somewhere sacred and safe. I know a number of people, that's people's story. But in fact, the beauty of what the tradition is, that our tradition is based on, if you dive into the work, is that, that Ernest Holmes, our founder, was very much interested. He honored, he said, the birth of Jesus was such a powerful experience because it, it's a reflection of how consciousness is ever-evolving. So 500 years before Jesus was born, the Buddha came along. And what the Buddha did is he went within. And he, and, he, and he experimented in this world, in this realm, and what he found was it was the middle way. It wasn't the extremes. It wasn't starving yourself to death and denying yourself. And it also wasn't all of this opulence. It was the, the middle way. And then so 500 years of that consciousness that, that trickled out and blessed energetically the planet till it took hold enough so that the Christ consciousness could be born. And so this is what inspired Holmes. But see, the, the deal is, so many of us, and you look on TV or you read and you see some of the, some of the um, people that really are, are, have an agenda around Christianity and for the most part will say, this is our group and this is the one way and the only way. And that's, that, and that's just fear-based, like Roz was saying. When you go to these, and we bless those communities because everyone finds a community at the level of consciousness that feeds them. You have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And the beautiful thing about Ernest Holmes is that he celebrated this idea of the Christ, but not in the way that it's, we have the way and we understand it and it's ours and nobody else's and we're the only ones going to heaven or as Roz's experience was, she's not going either. But, but that's just that fear-based idea. And this infinite divine intelligence always responds to what we are believing. Because to believe, to believe is to be like to believe is to be like. So if we have something that's going on in our lives that is repetitive and it's uncomfortable, it's our opportunity to shift the belief that we have about that so that that condition changes. 
It always starts with what we're believing because consciousness can only respond to the embodied subjective nature of our being. So if I believe that um, one of the things that was pointed out this last week, uh, we were at the retreat and we were there with, uh, it was called Resurrecting Your Church, which is really about resurrecting your life, which is really resurrection simply means recovery. And in fact, we can recover our lives 10 times in one day. It's not about a, we have to physically die, but it's what needs to die in order for something else to be, to be given birth. And a lot of this is around beliefs. So our whole emphasis is on, you've got a condition in your life that's not working, what's the belief that's supporting that condition? And then taking dominion over our experience and saying, wow, I don't think I want to do that anymore. So we're sitting in the retreat and they, they started talking about things and one of the things that has always been a bit confusing for me is Ernest Holmes used to say, I don't believe in reincarnation and it's not in our textbook. And, and so I, I was going to raise my hand and ask a question and Reverend Lloyd, now Reverend Lloyd Strom has been, spent the last 25 years of his life devoted to mining the depths of the mystical. This is really the other word for this retreat was mystical church management. And so he, he, but he's been spent, he spent 25 years, he's a retired engineer, he's been very successful, and he has devoted his life to the work of Dr. Ernest Holmes, but he has read all of the great thinkers. I mean, he, he, he quotes from all his traditions, and he sees how it all lines up so beautifully and what we have to offer. But what he said about that is, he said, when Holmes said, I don't believe in reincarnation, he said, it, he didn't say it doesn't exist. Because we know traditions. We know people that have had great, you know, you, you see these amazing movies about the, the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama, they're always looking for the reincarnation of the next Dalai Lama. And the Hindu tradition of this cycle of life. But what Holmes didn't believe, he, th he thought it was redundant to, to be born back into the same conditions. And to have the same experience. It, it, see, our nature is, whether we're involved in it or not, is to draft an uh, upward spiral, which is what Holmes said. So what he was saying is he didn't believe in the, the popular idea of reincarnation, but he believed in the eternality of the soul, and our journey is one of an upward spiral. Now, what happens when we step onto that spiral with intention, we step out of evolution and into intention. And that was exciting. And the, and the, the great thing about this is the more we understand the principles, the more that we understand this in a way that is not just a, an idea but an energetic, the more powerful they become in our lives. Because there's a, there's a clarity about it. There's an opening. There's a, there's a landing strip for that experience. So when we understand what Holmes was talking about, and he wrote this in the, in the Science of Mind back in, in Discovering the Christ, Finding the Christ, on page 368 in the textbook. He said, he who would entertain the Christ. Now this is not, this is beyond, it includes this idea of the person, but it is about the consciousness. It is about the Christed consciousness. He who would entertain the Christ must invite him. He does not come unbidden, nor sit at any man's table an unwelcome guest, and neither does the divine presence force itself upon any. He stands at the door and knocks. We must open it if we are to receive. We extend that invitation to the Lord by our willingness to love. And so it's our opportunity to invite that presence into our lives or not. Bottom line. And if we're so busy managing everything on our own, see, I, I think we have to get out in the world and do the things that are ours to do. But there's also, when we cut ourselves off from this, this vibration of possibility, it, the only one that loses is us. Because there's this infinite divine spark of inspiration that is seeking expression. This is the way the infinite works. So the songs that want to be written or, or composed will come, if you talk to great artists, they don't manipulate them, they come through them. 
There's something, there's an intelligence. That song is already written in the mind of God. And, and so if we make ourselves available to it, all of a sudden it's like, wow, look what's coming through here. This is beautiful. And it blesses all of our lives. It blesses all of our lives. This is not a mystery. We see it all the time. But what we, we tend to think is, well, that had nothing to do with God. It's, that was really just my own inspiration. But, but our, our life is God's life. And so to deny that, and, and when, the door, when they knock, when, when the infinite knocks and we don't open the door, we lose. So it's fascinating. You know, one of the things that uh, Reverend Lloyd talked about at the retreat was he said, if you want to empower your community, if you want to have staying power in your community, let's use the word retention. Start using the fruits of what we teach to transform your life. You start showing up in the world, living your life from joy and prosperity and an understanding so that whatever comes into your life and you've embodied this Christed nature, which is as he, as he modeled. See, the Bible stories, there's some history in them, but it's really stories of truth. If we can understand that. So, the, so to put down this idea of Jesus Christ that I got as a little boy that was a weapon and to put down the Jesus Christ that was given to me in Sunday school and understand, wait a minute, this isn't about some guy out there that I'm waiting for him to come back. Dr. Holmes says in the, in the textbook, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And if we really start to live this and, and, and practice this in a way that becomes just our way of being, we have a way of being now that we've practiced. So many of us are in agreement with lack and limitation and struggle. And so unless we step into it and say, you know what, I'm dissolving my agreement with lack and limitation and struggle. Wow, I believe I'm not good enough. I'm going to confess that I, don't, I believe I'm not good enough. And now what I get to do is bring it up into the light and dissolve it. And when you dissolve it, it creates space for something new and more interesting. But that's the way it works. But see, if we don't teach this and if we don't live it, if we're not living these principles, if you're struggling financially, it's because you have agreement with lack. If you were at our AGM this year, we have some debt. And what debt represents, the opportunity is it, is to dissolve the doubt. Because debt is doubt. Debt is doubt. And so, yeah, you manage your money well. Because money doesn't come to chaos. If you have chaos in your life, money will not stay. So you have orderliness about it. You know what's in your checking account because you balance your checking account. Not because I tell you to. But because what the infinite says, wow, there's order here. And where there's order, you make more room for greater good. You know, um, we have a lady that comes in and cleans for us, and she's amazing, Lisa Letwin. And she went into my office. It's taken me a year to get my office in order. Because I had books everywhere and papers everywhere. I looked just like Einstein's desk. See, I saw a picture of Einstein's desk. I said, well, I can do that. I got that going, me and Einstein. <laughs> but when you go in there now, she went in there yesterday and says, what happened in here? This is the tidiest I've ever seen it. But I realize I can manage this because what I want to send to the infinite intelligence is there's such order here that something new and beautiful can land and I have space to receive it. But if I'm so busy in the clutter in my own thinking, see that, that desk and that environment represents my consciousness. Why? Because I choose it too. There's no magic in it. And when I celebrate his order, one of the things around our, our space here is I'm always mindful when I come out th to create an order. The reason I want order here so things are in the right place is not because I'm trying to impress you. But what I'm, I'm offering and, and opening myself to is this is valuable to me because I want a space where spirit knows it's welcome. And when there's disorder and chaos in my thinking or my way of being or the way I live my life, spirit will show up. It'll spirit, eh, yeah, I, I get it. You really, you really weren't expecting me. You know how to, that we get our house really cleaned up at, at my place? 
we just invite people over. <laughs> as soon as we invite people over, the cleaning begins. But it's a beautiful thing because it's, it's a way of welcoming. It's a spaciousness. It's to say we, we honor you. You know, God's coming in the door. And so, it just, but it's such a, it's such a simple practice. But, but if we don't understand that and we let the, and it's a metaphor, it's an example, it's a story of truth that if we let the chaos run right in our thinking, how can the divine, how can when we go to have these inspired inner dialogues, how can anything show up but chaos? So if we're married to chaos, we get to change that. It's not easy, but it's apparent. So it's not there to, to sabotage us. It's not there to punish us. But the more we practice these principles, the more we bring, bring form to what we teach, it becomes irresistible. Spiritual practice is the most satisfying thing in the world. To sit down and meditate and bask in the, in the experience of spirit. Alicia did this beautiful meditation for us. It doesn't take long, like Reverend Lloyd said at the retreat. He said, when people say to me, I can't meditate, I don't have enough time. He says, do you have a minute? Well, yeah, I got one minute. Okay, there you go. Use that one minute to meditate. And as he says, most people sit down and they, they, they can probably sit there for 10 minutes. But you got to start with somewhere. I can't do it. And what does the infinite say when we say I can't do it? He says, you got it, you can't do it. In fact, you're so chaotic and your life is so disorganized, let me create more of that for you because that is the sub subjective nature of your being. We're the only ones that can slow it down. We're the only ones that can bring clarity to our lives. We're the only ones that can put the fear down. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. We are eternal on this journey of life. We are eternal. And yet we buy into the fear. There's not enough. Oil prices are down. The Oilers can't win a hockey game and get in the playoffs. I mean, all these important life-changing dramas going on, right? It is what it is. They won't put me into a game. I've called the coach over there. I said, put me in, coach. <laughs> They're not interested in a guy 62 years old. I don't get it. But the point is, I'm, I'm goofing now. But the point is, we, there's so many things to give our attention to. But when we first dive into the depth of our being and give attention to that, it's, it, it empowers us. And you know that. You've had those moments. I've had those moments. And then you prove these principles you prove the principles. And then it's like, wow. And then you don't have to go out and proselytize. Say, you should go to the Center for Spiritual Living. Yeah, you should see the colorful shirt that my minister wears on Sunday. <laughs> well, that'll heal me. Thank you, Lavana. Lavana's here for the first time today. And I met her at the door. And thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here. But, but... You see, if we don't live these principles, if we just, every time something shows, and this is what Holmes said, he said, too many people live their life by what they like and what they don't like. I like this, I don't like that, I'm praying for this, I don't want that. We're not using the principles correctly. You don't pray for things, you pray for principles. You see, because that shifts the consciousness. Oh, I want a new car and I'm going to pray. And so, of course, set an intention and do your Googling and find out what kind of car you should, all that stuff. That, and then you, you surrender and say, yeah, I am got the right and perfect vehicle for me that will take me to and from wherever I go safely and beautifully and wonderfully and be reliable. It'll be a perfect form of transportation for me. But to set that intention, why? Because we want, we want to live in peace. So the quality, there's peace. So if you're living from a, a consciousness of peace, you're drawing things that will create peace in your lives. But if you're living in chaos, what are, you, what are you attracting? More? Yes, more of the same. It's so simple. It's, it's just so hard to do because it takes time for us to s settle down.
I mean, that's the beauty of the fruits of what we teach. So our spirituality is not about fear. And it's not about we're going to burn in the fires of hell because so many people have been given that story and they keep telling the same story they got in Sunday school. They're just grown up now. And it doesn't work. And so what happens is if we don't live these principles more fully and more richly and we stand in the love, as Holmes talks about, we extend the invitation to the Lord by our willingness to love. If we don't stand in the love, then they win. Then those people, by the subjective nature of their consciousness, win. And, they, and the, the way they win is they keep imposing fear and limitation and lack on the rest of the people that come into their sphere of influence. And what the infinite intelligence does, it says, yes, you believe in fear, here you go. To be like, to believe is to be like. So here you go, here's fear. They don't know any different because they know what they believe. See, one of the error beliefs that is huge on this planet is people think that being right will make them happy. I'm certain of this. My minister says that we, we in this church are probably the only ones going to heaven. There may be a few others that get in, but this group's going for sure. Well, geez, I better get in on that group. But people believe that. And so, and they're free to believe that. And we support them because we support everyone's path. And they will believe that until they grow out of that. Until they can put down the ideas that they were given when they were three and four and five years old. And start to grow up into their own spirituality and realize, man, oh man, Christ isn't out there. Christ lives within me. And how can I bring a new perspective and a new love to this? I better get into my talk here now, huh? You got me on a roll. So living from the discovery, I've got this beautiful picture of these Buddhist monks and they're young men and they're out playing and they're kicking a soccer ball. Oops, we're already past those. Anyway, well, good, that's good. Keep it there. You saw that one already. The divine only enters by invitation. This is what Holmes said here. It knocks, but we have to invite it. So part of our practice can be is that, you know what, this infinite divine intelligence, this Christed energetic. See, Jesus was not called the Christ until the fourth century. The Christed is a Greek term that means the anointed one. He didn't walk around his neighborhood and people say, here comes Jesus Christ. No, he was Jesus of Nazareth. He was Joseph's son. He was Yeshua ben Joseph. They didn't have a J when Jesus was around. He was Yeshua. He was Jewish. And he was Joseph's son. So he was Yeshua ben Joseph. And in the fourth century, they said this was a remarkable experience. He's the Christed one. He's the anointed one. Christed means anointed. That there was something that, that he gave birth to and represented. And it inspired Ernest Holmes to write all of this material, 200 pages in our textbook about finding the Christ within ourselves. That it's not, it's not for everybody else and not you or me. So we've been using Tom McKeeve's book, Inspired and um, Unstoppable. And it's just her journey of overcoming her error beliefs, of limitation and told she couldn't do things. And what she said in this book is you've got to believe it's possible. You've got to believe it's possible for you. If you don't, and believing it's possible, you just have to crack the door open a little bit. There's a divine presence that is seeking to guide and direct me. What is mine to do? I shared at the retreat. I, the first night I was there, I went to bed, and, and they talked about this, and I thought, you know, before I go to bed, I'm going to say, God, what is mine to do? What is, what's in this for me? What is mine to do here? And as I listened, God spoke to my heart, which is so beautiful. I, you know, I've always said, I hear the voice. And they use, they use that term, and I thought, I love that term. God spoke to my heart. And God said, I have a delight for you. I have a delight for you and more than one. And I thought, oh, thank you. It didn't tell me what it was going to be. It didn't, you know, didn't give me a timetable. I just thought, oh, thank you. 
So I, I could go to sleep in grace and gratitude. It's like, hi, huh? I'm available for delight. I wrote a new title. I put it up on the screen over there. God is, uh, God, God is, um, love is God's delight. It's my title. I put it up yesterday when Noreen was here. Love is God's delight. So to live in the love, the quality of love. You know, when, and Thomas said, believe it's possible. Trust your inner guide. Just talked about trust your inner guide. Develop that, that vocabulary. Welcome the challenges. You and I are here to meant to succeed. We, God succeeds upon this planet by means of you and I. Ernest Holmes said that the spirit, infinite, God, whatever we want to call it, can only do for us what God can do through us. And we become that vessel, that clean, hollow vessel. Ken Robinson, who wrote Elements, talks about when natural ability lines up with passion, and he's got story after story. When he was four years old, he got sick, got polio. His family thought he was going to be a great soccer player, play for the local team, be like somebody growing up in Edmonton playing for the Oilers. He said that dream got dashed. But over time, he was nurtured. He found, so they put him into special ed because he was handicapped. He'd lost movement in one leg. He was totally paralyzed for a while. But what they found through a series of events, because the infinite is always looking for expression. The infinite is always looking for opportunity. And so opportunity showed up in his life by a man named Charles Stafford who interviewed him and found out that he, he thought in a unique way. And they said, we think he's pretty gifted. He took, and they had him test, and he tested at this very high level. So they put him into a different line of education, and he found this amazing teacher, Miss York. And Miss York would just grill him on math and language and science, and, and he loved it, and she loved it, and they worked together in collaboration. And he's gone on to change the world in many ways around education, how we can shift and change it. But it's the way the infinite shows up, and if he, if he had not developed polio, he probably would be a famous soccer player. And someone else would have filled that void. But it's beautiful. His whole book is about, um, about all this. But he, something within him knew. Something within him recognized. As he said, we become, we become, which is true, we become what we believe. Most, pray, most people pray for things, not principles. So what are we doing in terms of consciousness when we buy into this thing of fear? See, for us to stand in love despite what's going on, it doesn't mean we become a doorman. It just simply means we say no to that in our thinking, in our behavior. No, I'm not going to strike out. Self-actualization is, is managing impulses. How many of us have the impulse we'd like to slap somebody sometime? <laughs> huh? What self-actualization is, is to be able, and, and the Christed nature, this is a really serious practice, is to receive everything in humility and gratitude. Even the insults, even the accusations. Thank you for sharing. Because that was the Christed story we got, the story of truth about him. You know, he's on the cross. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was not going to slide into that trap of revenge and bitterness. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. People act out of ignorance. And to stand in the awareness and go, well, I get it. They're accusing me of all sorts of things that are not true. But thank you for sharing. Because in the gratitude, it blows, it just goes over, it washes over us. There's no place for it to land. You know, one of the things that's happening with consciousness on the planet right now, and it's, it's accelerating, there's amazing things happening. The story of Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark were the explorers that were sent by the president to, to explore the, the uh, western United States. And so when they went through there, they had to chop trees down just to get through some stuff. When they first went through, they had to cut trees down, they had to clear the land, and then the Calistoga wagons came through eventually. But for that to happen, they had to blaze a trail. And they had to find the ways through that they could make it. 
And then all of a sudden, the Calistoga wagons started coming through, and more and more people went west. And President Eisenhower's time in the 1950s in the United States, they poured millions and billions of dollars into the interstate, and they built roads. But initially, it took Lewis and Clark, a handful of men, to blaze that trail and chop those trees down. And what we represent right now in consciousness, in terms of what Christ intended, what I believe, not that we're the right way, but I think we're in a healthier and more opportunistic uh, experience of that, we're chopping those trees down for people that are going to come behind us. It would be great if we showed up 100 years from now. I think the planet's going to look totally different in 100 years because I think we'll have, have exhausted what we can do to one another in terms of war and oppression. You know, I mean, because what, what I hear a lot of times from the, the more, the more uh, entrenched Christian denominations is that if you're gay, there's something wrong with you. Jesus never said that. That's an Old Testament story from Leviticus. And it doesn't mean man and man. It means the same ideas don't... You have to have two different ideas is what it means metaphorically. But, you know, so many people because of... They, they are, I have a son who's gay. You know, I knew when he was three years old. And I love him dearly. I'm in his corner. I love him dearly. He's my son. And, and, but I, it wasn't because he showed up. I, I, I honor, we honor all of life. So whenever we find people judging, that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not the Christed consciousness. We celebrate all of life, everyone, on every path. But if, once again, if we don't live it and we are not producing the fruits of, fruits of what we teach to put down limitation and lack and struggle and all the error beliefs that we have, then they win. Those guys that tell you you're bad and wrong because of your, uh, your sexual identity or your lifestyle or whatever it may be. We've learned enough from that. Ernest Holmes said we have learned enough from struggle. And I agree. Let us step into inspiration. Let us stop praying for things and pray for qualities. Because the qualities will bring the things into our lives beyond what we can imagine. The qualities of love, the quality of a prosperity, the quality of abundance. When we start producing that, you're not going to be able to find a place in this place. But it's a beautiful opportunity to, to live and to move forward. So, what we need to do is the, the, the practices. The first practice is daily practice. It's the second kingdom is what would I love? You've got to have good things in your life so you manage your life. Self-actualization is, is taking those impulses where you spend money you shouldn't spend and you do things you shouldn't do and bringing those into balance. Saying, I'm not doing that anymore because that doesn't line up with my purpose of who I am. That's second kingdom activity, what would I love? Because then you move into third kingdom, which is what can I serve? What can I serve? Look at all the people that have made a difference in the world. You know what we're ready to do in this community? And I know this. I sense it in my bones. I'm, I, I, my, the hair on my arms are standing up. Those are the God bumps. But to attach our purpose to the greater good for all in a way that's tangible that we can all strike an agreement. Bill Gates did this. Bill Gates, as a young man, said, I see a day when computers will be available to anyone who wants one on this planet. Anybody that desires to have a computer in their home, they, they're going to have it. I see that day. And my software will be in those computers. See, he attached his vision and his dream and what he was called to be part of to the greater good for all. So you want to be successful in your life and have what you want to have, and that's all good. We support that and celebrate that. But that's small thinking because it's got to be, do you really want to gain some momentum and power in it? Then attach it to the greater good for all. And that's our opportunity 
As a community, you reach agreement. Because when we come to, the second practice is to come into a community. Have a, have a practice where you come into the power of agreement. So I, I get you up and I have you look at one another. It takes us less than a minute. I see you. I know you have love to share and gifts to share. That there's, there's a, a potential to fulfill, power to reveal. Those are agreements that we're coming to as we say that to one another. The power of our word. To speak our prayers and our speak our words of power out loud to one another and affirm and know for one another, you come into agreement. What can we strike in an agreement here? So that we, so that we are, this is, a, this is an environment of powerful healing. Like Reverend Lloyd Strom says, man, we want to see the crutches flying. You know? You go to Abhijani with John of God, there's crutches. They got a whole room with all the crutches that went flying when they went, people went down to see him. You know? But, but even the stories of Jesus talk about that. The woman that went up and touched his hem of his cloak. It was crowded by all the people. All the people were crowded around him. And he, said, and he knew something happened. He could feel her touch. And he turned around and said, go on home. Your, your, your desire, your wish is fulfilled. The healing is here now. But it was her faith. See, he knew. He didn't. You, see, he, he was invited. He, was, he invited her. And she stepped in and touched the cloak. But you've got to go meet You've got you to find and touch the cloak. That's the story for us. You've got to, whatever that is, whatever modality you use to move yourself into that touching of the infinite, of the Christed. He didn't just say, I'm going to heal everybody. I'm here. I'm the son of God. We're all the sons and daughters of God. He didn't say, I'm going to just heal everybody. No, because we have to participate in it. Because if we don't participate in it, we don't get it. And nothing has happened within us because we'll just recreate the same conditions again. Because we haven't shifted out of lack and limitation. We haven't shifted out of doubt. Ernest Holmes said this, and I get so much good stuff, so you have to come back next week. <laughs> telling you. Yeah, I sit there for a week and doing these practices, like, oh my God. This binder I brought back is like, it weighs like seven pounds. I was like a pack mule coming home because we took on carry on. I told Laura, I got to shift my shoulder again. But, but the point is, is that Ernest Holmes said this. I'll leave it with, with this idea. He said, uh, we were at the retreat, and Holmes has always confused me about reincarnation because he says, I don't believe in it. He never taught it. I don't believe in it. But if we look at the Hindu tradition, we look at the Buddhist tradition, many traditions, and I've read book after book after book of people saying, you know, I recognize this, and, and so many amazing stories. But Holmes said, I don't believe in it. But what he didn't say is it doesn't exist. And so, so this idea that there's a continuum of life. What Holmes also says in the Science of Mind textbook, he says, as long as people believe in evil, we will continue to have evil. Because he understands the nature of consciousness. And so what he would say is, I don't believe in evil. Because what he didn't want to have is evil come into his life as experience. You see, as you and I get clearer and clearer about what we choose to believe in, which is to be like, belief means to be like. And so if you believe in evil, you read a story and you go, oh my God, this is horrible and terrible. Other, but you can bring a consciousness to it and say, I don't participate in life that way. I know a, love, a life of peace and opportunity and creativity and possibility, and I hold that for myself. I hold that for my children. I hold that for my family. I hold that for my community. I hold that for the world. I nurture that. And then we become, this, we become the beacon of light that Jesus was talking about or that the story of truth expresses. But we get to choose moment by moment. Tamaki says it's the movement from the desire to possess to the desire to express. And kingdom two, we want to possess. And we need to master that kingdom to have the things in our lives that allow us the freedom and the peace of mind so that we can move into the third kingdom where God's trying to express. 
So you can't skip a kingdom. You can't jump over victim consciousness into the second kingdom consciousness of having and taking responsibility for our lives. Consciously directed feeling is intelligent creation. Consciously directed feeling is intelligent creation. So capturing the feeling tone. To play in this discovery, what would it feel like to, to live the ideal life? What would my life feel like? And begin to play in that and memorize that feeling tone. Because what gives our prayer power is the feeling tone. And when we stand in the love, and it's love for God, it's love for spirit. It's an experience. It changes us. It doesn't change the infinite, but it puts us into a different space of realizing, oh my gosh, my life is God's life. And that life is God. That is gratitude, which is perfected love. And then all of a sudden, the things that come into our life are different. And even the old patterns and the old people that have done things that we could criticize and blame them for, we we start looking at them and going, wow, thank you. Thank you so much for your accusation because you've tested my faith. And there's no no place for this to land anymore because I don't live in fear. I can't share the fear with you, but I understand. So get with a good practitioner. It's an opportunity to look in your life and to to dissolve doubt. In spiritual mind treatment, we have our practitioners here today. When you go and ask them, you're borrowing their consciousness. And what they are doing at the bottom of this, at the, the, the end of it, is they are arguing. We are telling our feelings what to do. So a practitioner, if they're doing their work, will, will argue with you into union with God. And hopefully some of those arguments create a feeling tone in you of well-being, of a lifting up. Every time I sat with my teacher in prayer, I would be lifted up. We are a personal law unto ourselves. And so this is just such a rich opportunity. What I'm going to ask you, and I'll pray and then, you know, as the musicians come up, but we have, uh, at our, if you're at our AGM, we're carrying some, some uh, uh, we've got a line of credit that we're into. And what it represents as a community is doubt. And so what I'm going to talk about next month, is, uh, going into May, is striking an agreement together to dissolve doubt. Because as we do it as a community, we do it individually. It's just doubt showing up. It's our opportunity to face that challenge and to use the spiritual tools, use the fruit of what we teach, the principles of what we teach, to eradicate the doubt and to stand in faith together. To stand. I'd love to go to our AGM next year and we, we got so much money we don't know what to do with. Oh my gosh, huh? There's an idea, there's a belief. Why don't we embody that? Well, first we have to dissolve whatever's keeping us from that experience. And so what I know in this moment, I invite you to join me. I know that there's a presence and a power of spirit here and now, that that life is my life. And I just give thanks. I give thanks knowing that when I ask the question, what is mine to do? What can I, be, what can I serve this day? That which is important for me to know, the next right knowing, makes itself obvious and apparent. That I move into this te- teaching deeper and deeper, into that, that I am that I am that Moses so beautifully expressed. And I give thanks, knowing that is the truth of my being. And I find myself more often than not living from that, living from love, to teach and live from love. And so it is. Amen. Blessings.